This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Listening to episode 246 of the Yellow Report. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and in this episode, we will discuss a little bit Borussia Dortmund's boring, drab, scoreless draw away to Hanover and preview the upcoming fixture against Eintracht Frankfurt, talk a little bit about the Champions League's draw, and in the end, we have an interview with a special guest, uh, Basti Red. Uh, some people may know him on Twitter. He is a Frankfurt expert from the Eintracht Frankfurt podcast, of course, which I can only highly recommend. So that's something to look forward to. And uh, I'm joined by my partner in crime this time, uh, Matthias. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. How are you today? Very well, very well. Um, have you enjoyed the start to the NFL? Oh, I always enjoy the start to the NFL. I mean, the Broncos won, the Cowboys lost, both. Uh, I actually expected both teams to lose. So overall, not not too bad. And Notre Dame is undefeated. So all is good in the world of American football for me. Yeah, and me, myself, being an Aaron Rodgers fan, I uh, have to say, went, went pretty well. <laughs> After a little scared first. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get to, into things. Borussia Dortmund drew. Uh, yeah, it was a scoreless, boring old draw away to Hanover. Um, a little bit better, I guess, than Dortmund's last visit, which I think ended into a 4-2 loss. Um, but not as entertaining, Matthias. No, not near as entertaining. Um, obviously, that loss to Hanover was kind of that first true sign under Peter Bosch where everybody went, oh, crap. Um, this, this isn't, this, this, uh oh, we got problems here. We didn't have that issue. Um, obviously this time against Hanofa, Hanofa, uh, played a solid match. We always knew it was going to be difficult. They are an uncomfortable opposition, especially in Hanofa. Um, Dalton, in my opinion, just didn't do enough going forward. They could have scored could have won uh <clears throat> uh but uh yeah it was it was a pretty dull boring match especially for the friday match we were always kind of hoping for something on a friday evening or here friday midday early afternoon but uh nope wasn't meant to be and uh, hopefully the next friday match will be significantly more entertaining from adult one perspective very true i i, I also <laughs> I gotta say, I already thought it was going to be a smooth fest when I saw the, the lineup. Because Dahoud essentially was the only creative player Dortmund had in there. And <laughs> with only one creative player on the field, there's just not too much you can expect. I mean, Marco Reus can create stuff on his own as well. We know that. But, you know, it's, especially when he plays this far up the field, it's, it's not really the sort of, uh, play where he is really creative and then of course um 
I think it was quite a shame that, that Christian Pulisic had to miss with a muscular injury because I like Marius Wolf, but I just don't think in a game where you know your opponent will sit back a lot that he is the right tool, let's say, to unlock a defense like that. And um yeah, it, it showed. I, I thought Dortmund's attack was really stale. They had a couple of uh, chances in transmission and pounce on a couple of mistakes they forced Hanover into. But, uh, you know building and creating something themselves wasn't really um yeah visible i mean maybe let's let's pick this up from the beginning because obviously some people were really bored by the game and also a little bit miffed i guess that dortmund uh, would play a style that i think i've read unambitious fair enough i guess but um Lucien Favre is just the coach that that likes to go stability first, right, Matthias? Yeah, he's not exactly known for being a massive risk taker. Um, we kind of discussed that when it all came down that he was going to be the manager. Um, that he's he's more for a patient play rather than highly dynamic one. And making sure that you don't concede uh, first and foremost, and then kind of going from there. Not quite to the level of Peter Stuga, of course, who also was more about not conceding than scoring. Favre kind of balances it out in that way. Um, and Hannover was the unfortunate, perfect opposition uh, this early in the season when everyone's still kind of finding their feet uh, for for this kind of a match to materialize. So I'm not, I wasn't shocked. I was a little disappointed. I was hoping for a win because uh, I think Dortmund overall probably slightly edged it, deserved it. But uh, at the end of the day, I guess can't be too disappointed with the draw. No, I think it was a deserved draw. Um, So now let's get into a couple of talking points here. I guess the the, the first one is, Lineup, uh, and I already mentioned Wolf. Um, would you have picked Jaden Sancho instead of him? Because, uh, <laughs> establishing the fact, let's say, that uh, someone like Polisic was missing, someone who has that magic feat, and especially someone who can win a dribble, crying out loud, um, I thought was necessary. Jaden Sancho is obviously that sort of player, or, um, Matthias, would you have also stuck with the more conservative choice, let's put it this way, in uh, Marius Wolf? Well, from Favre's perspective, I can see why he picked Wolf uh, away from home against a difficult opposition. Um, don't get hit on the counter kind of a thing, uh, you know, and it's Favre's mentality. Now, since you asked, would I have played Sancho over Wolf? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, because he gives you kind of that dynamic moment that Wolf just doesn't doesn't do. That's that's not who he is. That's not how he plays. I don't think he's a bad player, but he's not like Jaden Sancho in that regard. So um I would have at least then hoped that Sancho would have, you know, maybe at halftime, you know, you make that switch and and bring on more of a dynamic presence. So yeah, no, I agree with you. Sancho would have been uh the significantly more adventurous option, but again, I understand why Favre Knowing who Fafa is and how he likes to set things up, I understand why he went the route he did. Yeah, also tellingly, Favre only made two substitutions in in this game, and uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, the old Mario Götze 
being stuck there on the bench for 90 minutes and uh, in the same breath we can mention that Shinji Kagawa once again did not make the squad. So these are two players that in my mind at least are more creative playmaking types of number eights and even if you will number tens even though I, I see Götz a little bit uh, more behind than, than Kagawa uh, or, or further back on, on the field if you if you want. Um do you have an explanation for why Götze right now is uh, sort of out of the loop that he thus far hasn't played a single minute of, of Bundesliga football? And do you think that's a, a, a subject that will continue to follow us during the season? Because um, Mario Götze is a top earner at the club. He has a standing. Everyone knows who he is. He obviously scored that famous goal at the World Cup, winning it for Germany, but also, and more importantly, he grew up as a Dortmund youth product and, and really dazzled the crowds. And right now he's obviously not doing it. He is a changed player, but nevertheless, there's still a lot of quality in him. Now, the, all that being said, um, when he is not playing, there will always be background noise. And the question I have, Borussia Dortmund is a club that really wants to have calm. Do you think that this can be a motivator for Favre to hopefully integrate Götze? Or do you think that for now he is more comfortable with the Delaney and Witzel combination and then Dahoud, which obviously gives him a little bit more cover than, say, pairing Dahoud and Götze with Witzel behind or something like that? I think you hit the nail on the head right there with that last statement. That's why. Um, I think Favre, again, building out of a more solid defensive conservative position, trusts a Delaney, Witzel, Dahut trio more than taking Delaney out and putting in, uh, Götze or even Weigel. I mean, obviously Weigel, you know, still returning to fitness. And maybe Götze, there's a fitness issue there as well that we don't know because obviously we know what he's been through over the last couple of years. Um, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Favre's more conservative nature and, you know, Dahut is the, you know, is creative and he's actually played well, I think, overall. He still makes an occasional pretty crap pass at a pretty crap moment. Yeah, but uh, who doesn't? But really? <laughs> overall, much, much better. Um, and I think that's really where the, the problem is for, for Götze is... Favre is still trying to find his system in his more conservative approach, and that's why no Götze right now. But I, I would have liked to have seen Götze maybe even coming in from the wing. I think he could have done something. But yeah, I think that's at the end of the day, that's the issue there. I would have preferred in this kind of match to see Dahut and Götze with Witzel rather than Delaney just for the same reason that I mentioned Sancho coming in because you can unlock a, a more disciplined defense better that way. Yeah, especially in like the, say, last 20 minutes or 15 minutes of the game because the match was pretty stale, but it also wasn't like Hanover was uh, creating chances thick and thin. And I always want to say that, you know... If you have a conservative approach, you can obviously have someone in there like Delaney, um, who will then deflect the, the ball in what was it like the 70th minute or so where, uh, Hanover had their best chance from, I think it was a corner kick or, or a set piece and the, the ball then went white. Um, but on the other hand, I always 
think that a player like Götze also gives you a lot of structure and control. So you will just reign the chaos a little bit more, or actually abolish it with a player like this and, and maybe have a bit more comfort in possession. So that's another ap approach, of course, and uh, maybe why you have a, a defensive edge or so. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me who wants to see a little bit more uh, <laughs> offensive creation and not fall asleep after half hour and not wake up because nothing ever happens. Now, of course, Marco Roy has had a couple of good chances. He um, hit the post once and uh, there was this uh, spectacular save by Esso with his uh, outstretched leg where he just uh, tipped the ball around the post. Um, I, I think that was really something because I don't, I don't think a lot of keepers really keep this, this ball out because Royce has a pretty firm shot. So, yeah, overall, I don't know. I don't want to hit the panic button or anything. I, I think it's actually something to get used to now that Borussia Dortmund just picks defensive traits first before going forward. And uh, I think that's okay because in the long term, that will guarantee more points, I think. Um, also, Matthias, I think you want to mention how other teams in this league have fared so far and what their points tally is. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of overreaction after this match. You know, oh, the sky is falling. And you've even seen it, like Kika did a video after uh, Alcacer came in. Uh, you know, after the Alcacer transfer, we said, you know, uh, working against the malaise of the poor start to the season for Dortmund. I don't see the poor start to the season, personally. Uh, I've got four points. Um, arguably could have said that it could have been swapped. We could have beaten Hannover and drawn against Leipzig or lost to Leipzig. Uh, so it's not, not bad at all. If you look at the fact that uh, Stuttgart, Leverkusen and Schalke have zero points, Leipzig only have one point. And again, there are 32 more match days left. There's a lot, lot still, uh, left to be played. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned. You know, Hertha, Wolfsburg and München, uh, Bayern have the, the perfect records. But, uh, aside from Bayern, I don't expect Wolfsburg and Hertha to be second and third, respectively, in 10 or 20 or 30 weeks. Well, Hertha and Wolfsburg play each other next. So that perfect record can only be maintained by one of these two. So there's that. Um, also just, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's Tuesday now when we record. I know this show will air on, on, on Wednesday, but, um, we had a little bit time to ponder upon the uh, start of the season now, uh, having that international break. And I just feel that Dortmund are, Unlike in the, in the first season under Thomas Tuchel, where they really, um, hit the ground running. And I think the, the same thing was, uh, with Peter Bosch too last season. Um, this time I really feel like Dortmund are in a very long process of, of building something new. And I just don't see that, uh, they are going to go on an epic winning streak now. I just think that there are too many little details. That still needs to be fixed. And to me, Dortmund still sometimes play like their team playing in preseason just because, you know, a couple of uh, passes here and there go astray that usually wouldn't, or there are a couple of 
positioning errors and and I'm I'm pretty sure Lucien Favre has a whole notebook of things that are not perfect yet and uh, obviously perfection can never be achieved can only be <laughs> pursued in this game however um I I don't know I I think Dortmund are really in in transformation right now and it doesn't feel like um yeah they they're gonna climb the mountain quickly I. I don't know why I just see that there are too many things to be worked out. And obviously you already mentioned uh, someone like Julian Weigel is going to come back in some form at some point. And uh, players like Götze, Kagawa and also Jaden Sancho and Sergio Gomez and Jakob Brunlasen, I think, will get their minutes. So we will see a lot more faces and facets of this team than we have thus far. Um, the I think barring Pulisic, we have seen two similar lineups now in the Bundesliga. The cup was a little different. So going forward, Favre always tries to dodge every question about any player ever that uh, he is going to rotate. And don't worry, you'll see him at some point too, even if that's not the question. But um, yeah. I think there there is at least that truth in there that we will see Dortmund in many other ways. Um, their test against VfL Osnabrück, I don't know, have you seen it, Matthias? We actually didn't discuss it pre-part. Um, no, I did not see it. Well, you have missed something there because uh, the guys put on the show, I think it was Julian Weigel playing and uh, Mario Götze Kagawa and Sergio Gomez Brun Larsen and of course the new uh, striker Paco Alcázar and um, it, it was I mean it, it's against the team from the third tier but nevertheless I still think that uh, third tier teams are well organized if they want to be and they uh, at least at the beginning should have a formidable lineup and some structures on organization Dortmund absolutely ripped them apart and especially Sergio Gomez and then Kagawa were on fire and Brun Larsen just finished every chance he got. And it, it was really interesting to see how fluid the attacks was, how, um, easy the combinations, um, went with, with one touches and how much understanding was, you know, was at display. And also you could already see a little bit how intelligent Alcasa really is in the way he drops back and, uh, what kind of, spaces he moves into um so that was really promising again obviously you have to take it with a massive grain of salt that was against the third tier side but i i would make the case that uh, this game did not make things easier for lucien favre and his decision making i'm really really intrigued to see uh, if this game will have any effect on the lineup on friday where dortmund play against eintracht frankfurt at home um because you know, it, it was fun watching and a lot of things were, were going well. Um, so yeah, I really don't know how it's going to continue from here or not. Um, also a lot of players are on international break, uh, or, you know, still play tonight, this Tuesday. So I don't know what kind of form they come back. And, um, I think there's, there's, uh, one thing I haven't asked you about yet is it's new striker, right? You haven't actually been on to comment yet. So what what are your thoughts on uh, Paco Alcázar and the transfer in general? Well, I think uh, we can agree that uh, Maximilian Philipp is not a striker. 
Um, <laughs> I think that's become kind of painfully obvious. Um, you know, I'm curious. Obviously, they didn't go with a quote-unquote traditional number nine striker type person, also more of a false nine-ish. Um, but again, uh, that's something that the non-traditional striker, something that Lucien Favre had a lot of success with at Gladbach, as an example. So I'm very curious. He's a very, very good player. Um, no doubt about that. He's definitely an upgrade over anybody else we may put at striker. Um, again, I have no idea what Isak's life is going to turn into here, uh, given he's vocally unhappy. But, uh, no, overall good. I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Obviously, going with a more non-traditional type single striker. Yeah, I'm I'm curious too, and I think we'll see his debut on, on Friday, so that's where the first opinions get really formed, I I assume. Um now we had a couple of questions concerning Christian Pulisic and uh, what his status is. I must frankly say I'm not entirely sure. I know he has uh, muscular problems and uh he had these uh for a while now. Um I remember after the uh Leipzig game the next training session he was also training uh, individually so he hasn't really participated a lot in, in team training and I just wonder if uh, that has to do with Lucien Favre's uh, coaching style and, and the uh, preseason they just had because um, you've heard a lot of uh, talk about how intense it was obviously a million times more intense than Peter Bosch's uh, preseason because Peter Bosch believes in uh, another form of uh, periodization so entirely different and um, I wanted to ask you Matthias um, is this going to be a problem that Ömer Toprak um, has a hamstring, a torn hamstring now because Dortmund play what like five games in 15 days or so with the Champions League now starting well, from a rotational uh, standpoint, yeah, it's it's an issue uh, for sure. I mean, Diallo and Akanji are clearly the the top pairing, uh, but they also need some time off. They may be young uh, and and less uh, broken down than Umatoprak, but they still they still need some time off. And yeah, I mean, Zagadou is there, but he's not Toprak. Uh, he's shown that a few times, and just when it comes to experience and Staying cool, calm, collective. So, uh, I, you know, from a starting perspective in general, I'm not overly concerned. But given that we need some rotation and, like you said, a little bit more intensive preparation uh, under Favre than previous management, um, at least last season, it's it's a bigger blow than I think a lot of people give it credit. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I think Uma, Uma Toprak is, is, is a really capable defender. And uh, having him as a backup is, is the perfect guy to have. I mean, he himself probably wouldn't define it like that because he wants to be a starter. But um, I just also think that Zagadou, as cool as he is, uh, he is uh, not yet Champions League starting material. <laughs> I don't think um, he is just a little bit too inexperienced. Um so I would like 
to see him being eased into the Bundesliga maybe here and there. But um, yeah, what what can you do? If if there is a need for rotation or someone like Akanji or Diallo picks up a red card or so, then he has to be uh, thrown into the uh, cold water, as we say in Germany. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know how, how it will turn out. Also, um, Rafael Guerrero for the millionth time returned with a muscular injury from... Um, the uh, Portuguese national team. Um, do you think, Matthias, that Rafael Guerrero is cursed, or you know, it's 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 hard to really you know say anything for sure there? But uh, do you think maybe he has the wrong lifestyle or something that basically enthuses all these muscular problems? You know, that's that's hard to say. I mean, there are just some players, uh, some people, uh, not just players, but people in general that are, A, more accident-prone. <clears throat> My wife, may say, I'm one of those people. Um, or uh, just they just have fitness issues. They're just unlucky when it comes to that kind of stuff. And come back, get injured, and it you, you see it again and again from certain players and – I don't know enough about lifestyle or how he eats or trains or attitude or anything like that to make that judgment, to be honest. Uh, he may just be one of those really unlucky players, or he may just be going through an unlucky period in his career. He's still relatively young, so it's unfortunate, but uh, at this point, uh, you mentioned him pre-pod. I had honestly totally forgotten about him, and that, I think, says a lot. I don't know. Shall we move on to the next game, or um, do you want to uh, say a couple of things on the uh, Roman Weidenfeller uh, a grandiose Abschied, the farewell match? Uh, I think seventy thousand people were there. I don't know if you've watched it. A lot of old Dortmund legends in attendance, plus Lukas Podolski, Mertes Acker, Michael Ballack, and so on. I did watch a little bit of it. Um, I, it's great. I've always been a, you know, a Roman Weidenfeller fan. He obviously comes from that great goalkeeping school, at least at one point in Kaiserslautern. Um, you know, when you think of great, uh, Dortmund keepers, Weidenfeller is right up there. I would, you'd have to say someone obviously like Stefan Klose, who won the Champions League, probably be ahead of him. <laughs> arguably, but uh, in the pantheon of great Dortmund keepers, but he's definitely in the top two or three. So I think Lukas Podolski, after the game, wrote a tweet, something along the lines, um, saying that uh, the great thing about Roman Weidenfeller is that he always stayed who he is and that he never changed. I actually would uh, heavily object to that because um, when Weidenfeller arrived at Dortmund, I don't think he was all that likable as a human being <laughs> and i think um over the years he uh, really developed into a more likable character um since you were probably a little bit more aware of him early on than i am and then seen his development over i guess 13 years um what do you make of his his career and especially his his development as a as a person Well, obviously, in the beginning, he wasn't uncontroversial. Um, he he sat on the bench for quite a while uh, behind other guys, and he always had that certain attitude. Uh, let's put it to you that way, to a certain degree that you need as a keeper, especially the quote-unquote more old-school keeper. But his development was very, very um, – well, how should I say this? It was very obvious. I mean, he reached his peak – 
as a arguably second best keeper in Germany at the time when Dortmund had their best time under Jürgen Klopp. And um, as such, I think it's uh, he matured as a person over that time as well as a keeper. I can't say enough great things about him. All right. Yeah. I I just think it was a worthy farewell. And uh, yeah, it's kind of nice that uh, you can sell about 70,000 tickets for a fun match during the international break. But uh, yeah, good to see a lot of uh, people came. And I hope everyone there had fun. I certainly had. I was there too. Um, it's kind of nice to just be there and not have to work and just, uh, yeah, enjoy the atmosphere, I guess, for once. Uh, there was not much else to do. Uh, so, yeah, Eintracht Frankfurt are next, and it's going to be a little bit more competitive, <laughs> I assume. Um, so, you and I have discussed a little bit pre-pod, you know, that Frankfurt might be in trouble, could be in trouble. I personally don't know yet, and I think we have uh, Bastian Roth later on uh, talk to us about that. Um, but what are your thoughts? Their start to the season was... Uh, 2-0 win against Freiburg and then a last second loss against Werder Bremen where they've been down to 10 men for quite a while. Um, what do you make of their season so far? New coach in Adi Hütter and of course uh, a lot of players uh, came and went. Yeah, I mean, I used to live uh, just about 40 minutes north of Frankfurt, so there's always a little bit of an interest in how they do. I went to a few of their matches, quote-unquote, back in the day. Um, Adi Hütter, I'm in general a fan of his. Um, you know what he did with Young Boys Band, getting them their first league title since, I believe, 1985, uh, and, and breaking the Basel dominance was commendable. It just, you know, the, the eye test, you know, the very, very expert detail oriented analysis of the eye test and gut check of watching them. It just isn't clicking quite yet for me. It, it doesn't seem overly confident and comfortable. Like you said, a lot of ins and out transfer wise, which you've been used to with Frankfurt for the last few seasons. Um, I think the addition of, Kevin Trapp coming back was a huge boost for them, huge bonus, having a very good keeper um, with Radetzky going to Leverkusen they needed and what they had before just wasn't of the quality that they needed. Uh, Trapp definitely gives them that. And then, uh, like you had mentioned pre-pod, obviously you also have the Europa League in there. Obviously, you don't have to worry about the DFB Pokal anymore. <clears throat> but... Um, I, you know, it could go either way. It could either turn into lights out, fantastic showtime football, or it could just turn into a dumpster fire over the next uh, three to four weeks. And right now I'm leaning a little bit more towards dumpster fire than an amazing show. How much do you think it has an impact that Kevin Prince Boateng uh, moved, I think, to Sassuolo and is, is not there as the, uh, say corner piece or center piece of, of the midfield, do you think that has bigger inclinations for the overall team chemistry than just like the loss of the individual quality that he most certainly has? Well, yeah, I mean, he was, in my opinion, their most talented best player last season. 
Um, he made everybody better, including Marius Wolf. Okay. Um, but yeah, the team leader, the chemistry, all of that can't be understated that he brings. I'm not a huge Kevin Prince Boateng fan because, you know, in the past, he's also brought a lot of baggage with him everywhere he went. Um, but overall, that was the biggest loss this season. And given the style that Adi Hütte likes to play, which is totally different from what Niko Kovac wanted, uh, was playing the last few seasons... It needs some time to gel, especially with a new squad, a new manager. And I just don't know if they're going to have that kind of time. Well, that's basically the same question I sort of asked without actually uttering in, in a more, <laughs> in a longer monologue earlier. Um, I don't know. When you talk about eye tests, I, I have to agree. There are also a lot of things uh, in that Eintracht Frankfurt side that are just not clicking yet. Um, and the question is, of course, how will they perform with the EuroLeague? Because we have seen it time and time again. Now Cologne got relegated, for example. But um, teams that qualify for Europe and then don't really bolster their squad, but rather lose important figures, uh, they tend to struggle really, really badly. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'll ask Bastian later about it, and I think he has a better and coherent answer than uh, we both could come up with. Um, nevertheless, what kind of game are you expecting? Um, you already mentioned uh, Adi Hütter's um, change coaching style. I don't know, um, you know, how he will set up his side against Dortmund. Um, I haven't seen Frankfurt playing as an underdog yet away from home release under him so I can't say but um, also looking at Mr. Favre um, do you expect a little less conservatism at home than uh, on the road? I would tend to say yes but uh, given the unknown with Adi Hütter like you said with Frankfurt, they haven't really been the underdog in their matches per se. And even when he was with Young Boys Ban, they weren't really the underdogs in Switzerland. So it is kind of a, I don't know how he's going to manage out of that position. Um, with Favre, we know how he's going to manage out of that position because in most places he was the underdog and did so quite well. I think it's not going to be totally gung-ho. Uh, approach from Lucien Favre and Dortmund, but I do expect a little bit more on the front foot. I, I think it's going to be a very entertaining match. It's definitely not going to be the Hannover match. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more like Leipzig, just maybe more controlled from the opposition than Leipzig at times, who seemed rather undisciplined um, do, and all do, over the place see, see on occasion. Frankfurt, sorry if I may barge in, but do you see yeah. Frankfurt playing such a high and aggressive Pressing, I just can't imagine that. So yes, not more not quite open. as high, but still more more intense than say Hannover. Well, you know, not to take anything away from Hannover, but I think Hannover also pressed quite well, especially in the first half of that game. So to say that they just uh, lined up, you know, eight ranks of of uh, force uh, around their own box also, uh, yeah, doesn't do them justice really. I I think that game was it open. In in some way, just <laughs> both both teams just never really uh, went the the uh, last yard of the whole nine yards. So, um, and I think that's going to be the difference. Okay. I think uh, Frankfurt have more quality, in my opinion, than Hannover, and as such, will try a little more when they get closer 
Um, for Hanufa, just looking at statistically, everything worked well until they got within 20 meters of Dortmund's goal. Same could be said for, for Dortmund. Um, and I just feel like, um, uh, Frankfurt are going to do a little bit more because I also think they have got, you know, better attacking players than Hanufa. Um, so, and since they're still finding themselves, I think, I think it'll be a very entertaining match. They're going to try to go for it at times with more quality than I believe Hanufa possess. And, uh, Dortmund will hopefully should try and do more than they did against Hanufa. So again, I, I expect a more entertaining match. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a 3-2 or a 2-2 like we saw last season. But, uh, you know, against Hanufa, everybody said, this match has never ended nil-nil, and it ended nil-nil. Uh, the last few seasons, uh, matches between Frankfurt and Dortmund have always produced a decent amount of goals. This time, I actually think it, it could happen. Now, I don't know if it's going to produce four, five, six goals in a match, but uh, more than zero. <laughs> Yeah, I'm confident that this is not going to be a scoreless draw. Um, Ben Blakemore has asked us, um, uh, he said, hi, random question, but with Akanji playing Tuesday, do you think he could be rested Friday? If so, who would step in? Obviously, that's not going to be top rock. I, I think, um, Zagadou would be the only other option. Do you think, um, it's necessary to already th throw in the uh, old rotation machine and, uh, Sit Akanji, considering Dortmund will play away to Bruges very soon, or do you think um, Tuesday, Friday is manageable for centre-back? I would say, given uh, the strength and durability that Akanji has shown, he could probably start. He may not finish the match. I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him start And then maybe Zagadou against Bruges, because I think Frankfurt are a more difficult opposition than Bruges. No offense, Belgium, but that's just my opinion. Um, so I would kind of expect him to start. So before we, I guess, talk a little bit about the Champions League draw, because we haven't mentioned it yet on this podcast, uh, let me just give you a little update on uh, Eintracht Frankfurt's injury problems and uh, they are quite significant actually um, and it's it's a barrage of players that uh, are out for Friday starting with uh, Carlos Salcedo and Marco Rus who are uh, both playing at center back uh, then we have uh, Talib Tavata who uh, is a left back and uh, also out injured um, also another left back that's out for the game is Jetro Willems because uh, insult to injury he of course uh, picked up a, yeah, a red card against Werder Bremen then good old Timothy Chandler the uh, right back is also out uh, I guess our American listeners and followers uh, will notice that uh, that might not be so bad for Frankfurt because I personally don't really read him much. Then there is uh, Chico Geraldes, who is an offensive midfielder, who is also out. Ansel Rebic, uh, who finished second with Croatia at the World Cup, is uh, still out. Also a player I don't really read that much, uh, even though he has a really good shot. Um, his, his first touch is just atrocious. And then, of course, uh, the center forward that Frankfurt signed or, or got from, from FC Porto, Gonzalo Pajenkia or whatever his name is uh, he is also still out injured so that's a really really long list of, of players that are not available and uh, Frankfurt are a side that's definitely not as deep as Dortmund so it's going to be quite significant for them I assume 
Anyway, um, Matthias Borussia Dortmund drew FC Bruges, as previously mentioned, then uh, AS Monaco and Atletico Madrid. What do you make of this group for Dortmund? Is it manageable? Well, it's definitely uh, nicer than last season, where you had Tottenham and Real Madrid. I, I don't see Atletico being Real Madrid. Monaco is definitely not um, Tottenham. They're not the Monaco that beat not Dortmund out of the Champions League in Tuchel's last season, uh, simply because they don't have near the same players. Um, it's a strongly weakened Monaco side, in my opinion. Um, so that Atletico, I can see... Winning at home and losing away. Uh, Monaco, uh, Dortmund need to win those matches. I th they, they have the quality to do so. And uh, then, of course, uh, Bruges. I'm not going to say it's a walkover. Nobody is. Nicosia. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, well, uh, those... Dortmund were a walkover for Nicosia. True, <laughs> true. Uh, those should be six points. And as such, I do expect Dortmund to get through the group. I don't know if I expect them to finish first, though. I think, realistically, second. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, what I appreciate is that uh, Dortmund, uh, for the uh, team drawn from pot four, which is, of course, Brugge, said the trip is just not that far. Um, you know, I, I always think that it uh, plays also a role that... Uh, when you have to travel that you you know going to ukraine or wherever far far away um that this has a little impact on, on on players a little bit of a negative impact uh opposed to playing um against a side that's literally around the corner um you know this is you know Bruges is, is not as far away as, as munich for example so yeah that's going to be a nice little away trip i i feel what do you drive there like three hours or so i don't know um i've actually made the drive once and it's it's not that far and it's a beautiful little town so if everyone out there or anyone out there is fencing a trip i can highly recommend bruges i think a lot of people have seen the city uh, from that famous movie um which is probably called in bruges or so if you haven't seen it go watch it it's pretty good um Anyway, I've uh, lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, Lucien Favre, I wanted to say and ask you, Matthias. Um, I think Dortmund will uh, look quite different this time around in the Champions League. How do you think, uh, or what do you think will Dortmund's Champions League face be this season? Well, I think he'll try to uh, win all the home matches and not lose away from home, uh, judging Lucien Favre. Again, it's going to be intriguing. I'm glad uh, Monaco, it won't be a side featuring the likes of, say, I don't know, Kylian Mbappe or Fabinho. Uh, I think it's going to be nicer. I think also what you said, you know, the away matches. Bruges isn't very far away. There are worse places to go to than the French Riviera. And uh, also Madrid, <laughs> nice. uh, when you when you look at weather, pitch conditions, all that kind of stuff. It's a significantly a better draw also when it comes to player health and fitness and so on i think uh, dortmund's going to be if you if i would describe the style i would say cautiously optimistic <laughs> so uh favre is not going to go all out like say peter bosch tried but he's also not going to be ultra conservative like uh peter stuga in that regards i think it's he, he doesn't really have two faces i don't feel uh in that regard so 
Um, I I think he's going to go for nine points at home and then try to get five away from home. Yeah, which already is ambitious. Usually about 10 points are enough to qualify, I think. Um, I don't know. Give or take, rule of thumb, whatever. Um, yeah, but Monaco obviously are also uh, without uh, the, uh, what was his name? Thomas Lemar, also a really good player um, who caused Dortmund a lot of trouble uh, the last time around, though. Um, do you think that um, drawing Monaco will um, bring back a lot of haunting and... Uh, maybe troubling thoughts for, for players that they'd rather uh, not have? Possibly, yeah. I mean, um, there's obviously some players uh, that are no longer with the club, like Mark Batra, who clearly, you could say, suffered from PTSD or a version thereof. I think a lot of the players that are there now that are going to be starting are less affected by it. There will obviously be some uh, that were there that day, um, but I I don't think it's going to have as adverse a psychological effect as one may think. Yeah, it's it's something one can only speculate speculate about. You never really know. So yeah, Matthias, I I guess it's time to knock it on the head unless you have uh, something to get off your chest. Otherwise, it's uh, time to make predictions. No, no. Aside from a uh, prediction, I've got nothing left. So I'll, I'll, not, I'll start it, and I will say Dortmund will win at home, and it will be a entertaining two-one victory. Ah, the old housewife tip. I knew it. <laughs> um, because I wanted to take the same result, but um, let's let's say Dortmund keep it clean, and it's going to be a two-nothing win. Um, how about that? So um. Maybe maybe uh, the defense can shut out uh, Frankfurt. I don't know how much uh, offensive and attacking potential Frankfurt have yet, so um, we'll, we'll see about that. But um, yeah, it it should be an interesting night. And um, Matthias, once again, thank you for coming on. And please tell all our people and listeners where they can find us, uh, find you. <laughs> Uh, well, you can find us here, but um, always a pleasure, always a pleasure, always fun to talk about the greatest club in the world. And you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Suk. Thank you, Matthias. At Stefan Butzko is my Twitter handle. You can find the Yellow Report on yellowreport.com and at yellowreport on Twitter and Facebook. And now it's time for the interview with Basti Red from the Frankfurt Podcast, which I hope everyone has been waiting for. So let's hit play. And now, as promised, an interview with uh, Frankfurt export expert <laughs> and export, obviously, because he is from Frankfurt at Basti underscore red on Twitter. Hello, Basti. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm quite good. All right. That's a, that's a good start. Um, speaking of starts, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt lost in the cup, then uh, had a somewhat, I don't want to say lucky win over Freiburg. I think it was quite deserved, even though there were a couple of controversies, but I don't think we need to talk about that now. And then uh, you guys lost against Bremen at the very last second. Um, you have a new coach. Uh, guys like Kevin Prinz-Boateng and uh, Marius Wolf, of course, uh, have left. Um, how do you think this season will go for Eintracht Frankfurt? I uh, I think not not as good as the last season <laughs> because you as you mentioned there's a new coach in town 
he has uh, kind of a different uh, system. He wants to implement it, the uh, new tactics, and it's. I think it will take uh, it will take more time than we have. <laughs> so it, it, in Frankfurt, it feels like the season started one month too early. So it's like we have kind kind of uh, an injury crisis. There's kind of a commotion uh, in Frankfurt regarding the new code, regarding what we call Trainingsgruppe 2. There were some players uh, left behind, and they're they're back right now. And the communication was kind of weird. So you have you have different points, which uh, there are different points which makes uh, the fans uh, a little bit skeptical. So. Uh, it's the the mood is not that good as I hoped it would uh, after a cup win and uh, a Europe, European League uh, campaign coming up. So it's kind of strange. Yeah, that's sort of quite usual in the Bundesliga that teams that qualify for the Europa League then all all of a sudden struggle. Also, often before they or yeah, that's that's kind of weird, right? Yeah, before, because even even before the Euro League starts like we yeah, you you would expect you would expect you you uh left some points behind when the actual campaign starts but as you mentioned it's like uh we had the same with cologne last year <laughs> i wouldn't say it's that harsh here in frankfurt but it's uh well you, yeah, you already won didn't peter stöger so, yeah right that, score a single win or yeah, something yeah but there's a kind of a stiff program coming up so we play again we play uh, away against you then we have uh rb leipzig at home between the between those two games, we uh, have our first uh, European match in Marseille, without uh, without spectators. Uh, <laughs> so and then afterwards, there is a kind of an English week in the Bundesliga, I guess, right? The, after the Leipzig game, we play away at Gladbach. So you have two weeks with four very very uh, hard games. So uh, I don't, as I mentioned, I'm I, I don't think the Eintracht is ready for kind of a program like that. I guess we will see, but um, yeah, I have to agree. From what I've seen so far, it didn't look uh, like you know everything is clicking just yet. Um, can you maybe compare a little bit what Niko Kovac did tactically and what Adi Hütter is now trying to implement, as you already uh, alluded to? Yeah, Niko Kovac was was a coach uh, who had uh, emphasis on the on the defense and uh, see what can be done up front. So, um, and Adi Hütter is more like a coach. Uh, wants to to attack more but the thing is he according to him he doesn't have the players uh, yet so uh, there was kind of a kind of a strange communication in summer when Adi Hütter uh, wasn't 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 very happy with the players he had so the system Adi Hütter uh, wants to play we, we we don't see it at the moment because according to him as I said he can't uh, he can't transform it on the pitch so I guess that's a system that uh, will have some some wingers. So you have two wingers on each side. It's like the the uh, defender on each side and a winger on every side, and then only two sixers in the middle. And Niko Kovac was more like a coach who was more playing in the central area. So I, I think key players for Adi Hütter are uh, those who who play on the wings. So uh, that's kind of a a big difference between those two. And another difference is kind of a, how he talks to the press, how he talks to the team, how he's like a like of a person. Ali Hütter is more, he's more calm, he's more, yeah, he's he's a bit shy, and he's not he's not a coach uh, as I would describe it to who you can, yeah, you you see yourself drinking a beer with, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's the, like the Jürgen Klopp type of coach. 
Yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, and uh, Nico Kovac was more like that. So uh, you don't have to. You yeah, you don't have the the feeling that uh, the fans and the coach connected yet. So of course you can do it by by uh, with results uh, and good football, but. Uh, How Niko Kovac said, stand jetzt, it's not, uh, it hasn't happened right now. Yeah, as of now, yeah, that was uh, quite the word in, in Frankfurt, quite famous. Uh, I, I want to ask you, how do, do you think that's actually going to be a problem now going forward? Because we've seen it in Dortmund after Jürgen Klopp left, there was sort of a void that you know, people wanted all of a sudden a coach that they can identify with, someone who really let's say, lives the club and not is just a coach who's doing his job. Do you think that uh, Niko Kovac, in, in, with the personality he has, he, he raised expectations that are maybe unjust to other coaches that come in you? To be honest, uh, that's exactly what I think. And uh, that's, yeah, you can compare it. Of course, Dortmund is in all in all ways one, one, one area uh, above us, but... It's kind of the situation when Klopp left and Tuchel came. It's like Tuchel isn't the most, yeah, most coolest guy on the on the planet, uh, according to if you uh, consider yourself drinking a beer with him. So Adi Hütter is kind of like the same. But the thing is, it started in summer when some players left because the coach left. So it's like you left, Marius Wolf left, the Prince Boateng left. So you can see that the coach had really an impact uh, and had a, really really an impact on what players are coming to frankfurt and the new coach doesn't have it right now but but uh, yet and that's that's kind of a situation where everyone everyone in frankfurt is talking about it's like what is after nico kovac because he set the bars very high maybe too high for frankfurt maybe too high for adi hütter maybe adi hütter uh Maybe Adi Hütter is the poorest guy in the room right now because he can't can't connect to these expectations. But yeah, you know, as a soccer fan, you always want uh, you always want success and you want it right now. So it's like I have yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried that Adi Hütter isn't the last coach we see this year. So uh, yeah, I, I you compare it to uh, with your situation. There was a long time as you and and you're still on it, like kind of a search for for uh, for a coach like Klopp. You know, it's like you you. How many coaches do you ha did you have? Tuchel, Bosch, Stöger, and Alfaber. Yeah, that's uh, that's four, and you don't know if you're there right now. So in Frankfurt, <laughs> well, I, we are. I, I can tell you as much. Obviously, I'm a journalist, but uh, Lucifer is not the coach that will galvanize the fans with the team. That's just not who he is. Okay. He, he is a really good coach, I think, who knows how to do his job, but when it comes to communication and really, um, embracing the colors of a team, I just don't think that's going to happen. And, uh, whether Dortmund fans will fall in love with Favre will obviously then depend on uh, whether they like his football. And, uh, that I, but they, but they didn't fall in love with Tuchel either. And, and no. Tuchel played, uh, there was some, Uh, good system in Dortmund with Tuchel, but as you said, you can't embrace anything. So uh, well, the problem is Dortmund fans were very used to a kind of football that was, uh, as you club would describe it, like a heavy metal football. Yeah, right. And uh, Tuchel then implemented a possession. Kind, kind of opera. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's just uh, more of a patient build-up, and uh, yeah. if fans want to see action that will just not go down well with him. The question now in Dortmund obviously is whether uh, Lucien Favre can deliver the action, but he is a defensive-minded coach uh, who likes to go conservative. So I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, back to Frankfurt, um, how much of an impact is uh, do you think will uh, it be that Kevin Prince Boateng is no longer there? Because for me, from the outside looking in, it looked like he was one of the guys who uh, was absolutely important for the team chemistry on the field and off the field. Yeah, off the field is the, the most important uh, fact here. So. Yeah, he was kind of the spiritual leader. So, and he left, and with him, he left. Uh, Marius Wolf left. Uh, he's with you guys now. So, yeah, there's there's kind of a big, big gap he left behind. So, not not uh, not especially on the pitch, be, uh, but more important off the pitch. So, and there was no replacement for him. And then with that, with to, to the last day of deadline day, we hope that we can sign Shine from you. So to 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 kind of to. Uh, Kind of having a similar player, not that loud, but 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 a cool guy with some experience. Uh, I wasn't even aware that Shine was linked with Frankfurt, to be honest. He wasn't. He wasn't. But we we we, we in in our Eintracht podcast we tried to, uh, to we tried to push this rumor, and it wasn't that far away from reality as he left uh, for Bremen. It's now I, I can compare Eintracht with uh, it's on the same level with Bremen, so it's kind of a. It's we are, we are kind of sad. Uh, Shine uh, didn't come to Frankfurt. So, but as you mentioned, uh, the gap wasn't filled. So we have to see. As I mentioned before, maybe Hütter has other uh, uh, static in his game so that he uh, doesn't focus on players on the, on the central, uh, but more to the to the wings. But I don't know. I think Kevin Prince Boateng is. Uh, yeah, he's missing. Uh, we we will miss him. Especially in the in the locker room, you know. Yeah, it's like I, I, I it's understand. like it's like the guy it's like the guy who sits on a press conference and said we're we're driving to Freiburg, we win there and we go back. So it's like it's like kind of a yeah yeah he's confident he br he brings confidence to the fans. He's kind of a cool guy. He has some cool punchlines and stuff like that and some uh, catchphrases uh, he established here in Frankfurt. So it's yeah it's kind of a big loss. And yes, that's that's kind of a situation we are about to see how it will develop. So because we are in Frankfurt, we are very skeptical too about that fact. Yeah, I I can fully understand, and especially in Dortmund, we've seen similar things. I mean, they have the officials here in Dortmund said that the biggest issue, or one of the biggest issues during the last season, was that they just didn't have too many leaders or just too many uh, characters in the team, and discipline was lacking, and all these kind of things. And they tried to correct that by signing guys like Witzel and Delaney and whatnot, and of course Marius Wolf. So um, we'll 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 see how important of a factor uh, the uh, chemistry on and off the pitch is for Frankfurt. And uh, yeah, I I really hope it's it's going well for them because um i don't want the like the the endless series of teams that qualify for europe and then basically fight against relegation i don't think uh that's a good thing for the bundesliga i'm i'm hoping that there will be a team that can qualify for the europa league and then build on that and and continue to the champions league eventually um oh. and, and i yeah but i i think frankfurt you know if you look at the city and uh <laughs> well in in theory 
it's a club with the potential to be a, a team that can play in the Champions League every now and yeah, then. Right. Not every year, of course, because the top four in the Bundesliga are highly contested. But I, I don't think that Frankfurt are a team that need to be in like 13th, 11th, 12th place or so. I think they can finish higher on a consistent level. But I think that has a lot to do with, with the sponsoring, right? And, uh, as far as I know, there were always problems like with Krombacher and so on and so forth that Frankfurt with, you know, being a, in a city where the do uh, German stock market is, uh, they just cannot get any big money players to attract, which is something that I find very weird. But yeah, that's, it's kind of changing right now after the cup win. Uh, it's kind of off the pitch and with regarding sponsoring, it's like it's kind of getting better and better. And uh, yeah, but on, on the pitch, you have to follow on the pitch. You know, it's like you can have the biggest sponsors. Um, but, but if you don't uh, back it up on the pitch, then there's that's kind of useless. I, I I think what you said is, yeah, that's what we uh, were thinking about the, the last 10 years, but it never happened. So, you know, it's <laughs> like the highest uh, the highest uh, level of fields is the uh, Europa League. So we're kind of happy with that. We're gonna we're gonna travel. Uh, I hope uh, with fifteen thousand people to Rome. But uh, yeah, that the thing is, the hope that Eintracht will go the next step. I had, I I had this summer too. You know, I I had it too this summer. It was like you win the cup. There's kind of uh, euphoria. Yeah, euphoria in the city. It's like can you you can use that power. You can use that flow. To, to, to get another to get to another level like I let's say Gladbach uh, was for the last years but yeah then there were some uh, the injury crisis I mentioned and then there was this uh, yeah this commotion with the new coach and in the team and you have uh, a lot of injured players like uh, most important Rebic then you have players like Boateng leaving so the euphoria is kind of gone right now there was some some voices in the in <clears throat> in Frankfurt that uh, Will wanted to sack the coach before the first game in the Bundesliga, so wow. it's like it's like kind of strange, and it's like that's kind of a Frankfurt thing too, you know. It's like you can have the biggest euphoria, you can travel with twenty thousand uh, fans to everywhere in the world, but if they have a if they don't have a connection to 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 uh, to the coach, uh, for example, yeah, it can turn very very fast. So. Uh, that's it will be kind of an exciting season for us, but not in a good way. So, uh, and that's kind of kind of that's, so a thrilling season, maybe. Yeah, it's a thrilling season, but it's kind of sad, you know, when you play Europa League, you want to be there, uh, the the best you can be at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like if we play, we play Europa League for about six, five to six years, uh. And then if we play a Europa League, we want to have the best team there is and the best mood there is and the euphoria. But that's not the case right now. We have uh, our first match coming up in one week. And there are kind of, a, yeah, there are verschiedene Baustellen, will ich sagen, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. There are yeah. different, uh, I can't even, construction sites, I guess. Um, <laughs> just just uh, German and English mixed here, but... I don't know if I want to go there, but I'm, I'm sort of intrigued. Let's uh, assume things really don't, do not go well as you are fearing right now. Who's the weakest link in Frankfurt? Is Adi Hütter the guy quickly out of the door or, um, is there a case for Freddy Bobic? Um, because as you already said, the coach is not happy with uh, what happened on the transfer market. He, I guess, needed wingers that can win dribblings and whatnot and now Pacey and maybe he doesn't have the sort of players that he wants for his system. So do you, 
think that um, Freddy Bobic could be out of the door because, you know, it was his decision making as well? Or do you think that Adi Hütter doesn't have a high standing in Frankfurt and is uh, gone if things don't move well? And if so, can you think of any replacements right now? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, but I think Adi Hütter is the weakest link. Uh, so if, if things develop where, uh, don't develop very well, so he's the guy who has to leave. But uh, the, I don't have a replacement in mind except Slavon Bilic. Maybe he was he was um, in talks with us in summer, so maybe he's the guy who can can light the fire up again. Like uh, he's kind of a uh, similar guy to Kovac. That was my first pick at uh, uh, on the first place. So uh, yeah, but it's too soon. I can't uh, criticize people who want to sack Adi Hütter before the first. Uh, match day and, and do the same on the uh, third so I, I gotta be i gotta be honest i think that's actually utterly ridiculous um yeah yeah, right that's that's the thing so i i will he will i i think uh yeah regarding the fact that the bundesliga isn't that strong that you have to uh, you won't get relegated this year so i think we should leave him this year that he can uh he had the summer camps he had winter camps he can uh yeah design the team in his in his fashion so we at least have, have have to give him one year and see if there is any progress on the pitch yeah you know he doesn't have to be the coach who wants to you want to drink a beer with that's that's not the case the thing is it's the, what matters is on the pitch and if you, if we can see a development on the pitch then it should be okay not to sack him there there had to be some dramatic losses and many in a row to actually consider it so uh speaking speaking of dramatic losses uh, what do you think uh, is going to happen on friday are you optimistic for that game vaguely so it's yeah it's like the only thing is uh that i have the feeling uh Favre system hasn't reached maturity either so mm -hmm. it's like it's yeah it's like uh you're you're still you're in progress too you know it's like you're in you're in the uh transformation mode uh Favre wants to implement his formation, his tactics, and it will take time. And I would think there's a slight chance for us, even more on a third match day than, uh, I don't know, on the 13th. So there's kind of a chance to maybe, yeah, to, to, to steal at least one point from, from uh, Borussia Park. Borussia Park is in Gladbach, my friend. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> Signali Iduna Park. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, coming yeah. from the guy from the Commerzbank Arena. <laughs> 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 um So, who are the players uh, Dortmund fans need to fear? I wish I, I would. Uh, I wish I was able to name some names, but uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, Antarevich isn't playing, so I you can calm down on that. Uh, I think Sebastian Haller is kind of in a kind of in a good flow right now. He's kind of a big striker before. He can he can he has a good feeling with his he has a good touch with his feet, even though he's very very tall. So he's kind of the player to watch right now in Frankfurt. And yeah, yeah, we have a new new goalkeeper, Kevin Trapp. You should know him in Dortmund. So he's he's kind of a mo uh, most 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 known Frankfurt player at the moment. So, but I would say Sebastian Haller and Yeah, maybe Philip Kostic. Uh, he was kind of a, he had kind of, kind of, yeah, he had kind of good moments against Bremen. 
So that's a player Eintracht fans uh, focus on. Is uh, he on playing right on, the, on the left side or on the right side in Frankfurt? He's playing on the left side. Okay, yeah. well, then I can maybe make you a little bit of hope because Lukas Piszczek has been in absolutely horrible form, Dortmund's right back. Um, yeah, that's that's um, and we had our show yesterday and we were talking about the chances and uh, uh, possibilities in Dortmund. And the only thing we see is that Hütter is kind of a wing-focused wing coach and you have Schmelzer and Piszczek on the uh, yeah. wings at wing defense. So that could be one chance. Uh in in midfield, I don't see any chance uh, for us. Uh, you have Witzel, Delaney, and Dahoud, I guess. So yeah. that's kind of a two, three very strong players, and Dahoud is kind of a he has a good touch too. Uh, so if I I see a chance in uh, to win in Dortmund, it's like only the, the um, fullback and and the central and the central striker. So that's the only weaknesses I can see in your squad. So. Uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, focus on that, and Philip Kostic would be a key player to that. Very well. So, um, what what's your prediction for that game? Deep inside, I have the hope that it's going to be one-one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think that's an unrealistic result, to be honest. On on a Friday night, especially after the international break, where a lot of Dortmund players only arrived today on on Wednesday afternoon and have basically one training session before the match so um yeah also christian Pulisic remains injured and is probably ruled out for the game as lucien favre said at today's press conference now i know you gotta leave soon but um there's one topic i wanted to discuss at least briefly with you um it's, it's something i actually forgot to mention yesterday when matthias and i recorded um, but that's something that I wanted to ask just another football fan, I guess. And, um, in, in Germany, we have seen recently a couple of riots in Chemnitz by, I want to say Nazis, fascists and people showing basically the Hitler Gruß and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, we had in Germany a bright reaction by a lot of people with the hashtag Wir sind mehr. It's called We, we are more. And uh, basically trying to counter that uh, movement uh, of, of right-wing idiots in, in Germany. What I found quite pressing is that, at least in, in my recollection, there was not a single Bundesliga player who stood up and actually said something, like, at, at all. Um, Basti, do you think um, that this is an issue of, of German football or um, Bundesliga players that there was a deafening silence? Yeah, you'd give, uh, they're, they're the same, re you can compare the reaction to the, to the Uzil debate, you know? Yes. It's like, there was none, none, not, and one, not one player who stood up for, for, for some, uh, for some, for his op op opinion. You, you have the feeling that every player is designed by, by some, some, uh, yeah, some advertising companies, and it's like, yeah, uh, you better say nothing, then you can't enrage anyone. So it's like, better to say nothing and, uh, that I, I guess that's the same thing here. So I wasn't expecting it because, I, as I said, uh, it, with Özil it was the same. There was some kind of a wishy-washy statements, but uh, there was nothing you can uh, work with. So uh, I guess that's kind of the same same thing here. Uh, and if if DFL, if the uh, FA of Germany doesn't doesn't uh, tell the teams to do, then I don't think they will. So. But in Frankfurt, we are blessed with a president who uh, at least 
make made some private statements against the AfD. So uh, yeah, that's and but it's kind of sad that that's kind of the only thing that goes in this direction. Uh, so. I mean, if if you look at at Germany, I think football plays a key role in how society uh, works and and uh, what people think, and I think how players and clubs con conduct themselves uh, is is important. And um, yeah, it's it's quite. I I gotta be honest. I think it's quite scary to not see any anyone speak out against it. Anyway. Um, Basti, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, lending your expertise and expertise, and I think we can. Uh... Excuse my excuse my English, as I said uh, as I said in the pre-show. Uh, I'm I, I speak better English if I, when I'm drunk, but it's kind of too soon to be drunk. So yeah, that's that's. My I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Next time in the evening, so and uh, on the weekend, so then it, it will be better. Sorry for that. Anyway, again, you can find him on Twitter at Basti underscore Red. Everyone who Those German at least should do that right now. And uh, I guess we can now knock it on the head and get out of here. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you again, Basti, for coming on. And uh, the Yellow Warpod will be back next week. Bye-bye.